Not long ago, Pope Francis wrote a beautiful letter to the church, Gaudate Exultate, Rejoice and Exult, about holiness. And he said, I don't want to write a treatise on holiness or a theological statement on it. He said, I want to write this letter about holiness to awaken in you the desire for holiness. Because he said the world is so full of that false holiness, the false happiness of consumerism, for example, which leads to unhappiness, to sadness, to depression, to boredom. Nothing's more boring, ultimately, than consumerism. And in that letter on holiness, he tells us God wants us to be saints, every one of us. And he speaks about a practical way of holiness for our lives. He reminds us it's not necessary to live a perfect life. How many perfect lives have there ever been? The saints are not perfect. He even says in the writings of many of the saints of the church, they didn't always write the right things. They got it wrong. Some of their theology was wrong. But they knew they were loved and they were concerned to bring others to that same unique awareness. They were turned away from themselves towards the well-being of others. And the Pope says that we come to this experience of holiness, of discovering that we are holy, I would say, in very simple ways in daily life. Holiness is a matter of daily life, not about going on a long retreat, not about spending a lot of time in church. It's about how you live. For example, avoiding gossip. Gossip's very addictive, isn't it? Especially when you're sitting with a friend or a couple of friends and you get a nice juicy story and you start sharing it with them and it usually means that you start pulling somebody else who is not there, pulling them apart. Little criticisms that then become bigger and bigger doesn't do anyone any good. So we would live a life of holiness by catching ourselves and controlling ourselves and saying, I don't want to be part of this conversation. Or to be aware that we're spending too much time wasting our time on the internet or too much time just browsing or too much time just shopping. That there are other ways in which we can live and other things we can be doing that are more joyful actually and more useful. The Pope reminds us also that holiness is not clerical. Although most of the saints who've been canonized have been either priests or religious. Have we had three popes canonized in the last few years? So it does give us the impression that priests and monks are going to be a little higher on the ladder of holiness than the rest of us. So, well, holiness is not clerical. And it's not about celebrity. A saint isn't a celebrity. The great majority of saints, of course, have never been canonized. They've lived hidden lives in a way. They've just raised their families. They've dealt with the problems of life. They've tried to love people because they know they were loved. 
And maybe they are remembered with great love by their families, remembered for a couple of generations anyway. These are the great communion of saints, not the celebrities only. The celebrities, some of them were no doubt really holy, of course. Very interesting and important thing that the Pope says is that holiness is about everyday life, how we live each day. Are we conscious? Are we awake? And are we living by the true values of our discipleship? But he also says, although it's about everyday life, we need, and he says, it is an absolute necessity. We simply cannot do without the silence of prolonged prayer. We cannot do without the silence of prolonged prayer. We need times of silence, times of solitude every day. And if we want to awaken to our holiness, and that's what being holy means, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, if we want to awaken to that, then we need to take time every day to be still, to be silent in God's presence, and to be present to God. How do we do that? Well, meditation is the simplest and cheapest and most available way that I can know that has been passed on to us down the centuries by the teachers of prayer and by the great disciples of Jesus. The Pope refers to this when he refers to a little book called The Way of the Pilgrim. There's a book written in Russia in the 19th century about a peasant who heard in the readings of Mass one day about praying at all times, praying continuously. And he was really fascinated by this and he went round, he asked the priest, he asked everybody he could meet, what does that mean? And nobody could tell him really what it meant. And then one day he met an old monk and the monk said, well, I can tell you how to do it. And he gave him this way of meditation that we're going to practice now for a few minutes. He gave him a phrase, the Jesus prayer. He gave him a phrase to repeat in his heart. And he said, just repeat it over and over in your heart. And then this had a tremendous impact on this man's life, changed his life, it sent him out into the world. It didn't separate him from the world or from other people. Quite the reverse, it actually made him see the world better and be more connected to other people. The Pope makes this very strong point. This prayer of the heart, that is meditation, is something we can practice in the world as we're living it. So let me share with you now this way of meditation, this prayer of the heart that can be practiced by five-year-old children, by these are some of the people we teach it to in our community, to MBA students, to business leaders, to doctors and nurses, to homeless people, to people recovering from addiction, to people working for peace and justice, people 
like us, unique individuals. But even as unique individuals, we're all basically human. We share that in common. And this universality of meditation could only be possible because it is so simple. Something so, so simple that it is revealed to the children and to the simple rather than to the learned and the clever. Meditation is simple and it will simplify us. It will simplify our lives. The simplicity of meditation begins with our posture, the way we sit. Because meditation is not just about a head mental experience, although when you first begin to meditate, it may seem as if you're caught up in your head, and most of us are, and we just feel all the confusion, all of the agitation, all of the activity going on in our heads. But over time, if you stay with the practice, you will find that you move more and more to the heart. And the heart is a symbol of the wholeness of the person. It's the center of each of us. Not just the physical heart, but the spiritual center. And that's where we discover that we are holy. Despite the fact that we did things today that were not very holy, or we flew off the handle, or we have faults in our character, and we're imperfect. Nevertheless, we know that we are holy. That changes the way we live, that knowledge. So your posture is important because it reminds us that meditation is an experience of prayer that is incarnational. It's about body, mind, and spirit. So to meditate, we sit with our back straight, we sit still. Sit on these benches with your feet on the ground, your back straight, not rigid, but straight. So imagine there was a, a line from the crown of your head to your base of your spine, and sort of straighten yourself on that line. You could just tuck your chin in a little bit, not right down on your chest, but just a little bit down so that the back of your neck is straight. So that's your physical posture. You should be alert, but also relaxed and comfortable. Then be aware of your breathing for a few moments. Just be aware of it. This is a good little preparation for meditation. So just be aware of your breath as you breathe in the gift of life, and the mystery of the source of life that is within us and around us. Just feel the gift of life. Just feel the pure gift of it. And because it is a gift, you can't possess it. You have to release it. You let go. You breathe out. So every breath we take is a lesson in prayer. John Main said in meditation, we accept the gift of our being. That's what holiness is. Accepting the gift of our being. The unique gift of our being. So that begins a little to calm the mind, to relax. But now to go deeper into the prayer of the heart, we take our word. Choosing the word is important because we stay with the same word all the way through the meditation and from day to day. So that the word 
sinks into the heart and awakens the continuous prayer of the Holy Spirit. So you could take the name Jesus or the word Abba, for example, but the word I would recommend is the word Maranatha. Maranatha is the, one of the oldest Christian prayers and it's in Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke. St. Paul ends the first letter to the Corinthians with this prayer. It means, come Lord, come Lord Jesus. And if you choose this word, which is an ideal word, say it gently without force, ma ra na tha ma ra na tha And as you say the word, listen to it. Don't visualize it, but sound it. Say it in, in stillness without moving your lips or your tongue. And try to say it quietly so that for the next few minutes in this church we will have complete silence. In that silence we will be led to realize the holiness that is in our hearts. As you say the word, Maranatha, give it your full attention. When you get distracted, you're thinking about dinner, or you're thinking about problems, or you're thinking about TV show, or you're thinking about work, drop the thought immediately and come back to your word. Gently, without force, simply like a child. Let's move into the silence now with this short prayer that John Main composed. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to the silent presence of the Spirit of your Son. Lead us into that mysterious silence where your love is revealed to all who call. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Let's conclude with these words from the letter to the Romans where St. Paul speaks about the, the transformation that comes about when we unite our mind and heart, transformation into holiness. My friends, I implore you by God's mercy to offer your very selves to him. The worship offered by mind and heart Adapt yourselves no longer to the pattern of this present world, but let your minds be remade and your whole nature thus transformed. And then you will be able to discern the will of God and to know what is good, acceptable, and perfect.